and welcome to the TxDOT Roadside Chat Podcast, where we dig deeper into archaeology and history topics in Texas. Today, we ask TxDOT's lead archaeologist, Dr. Scott Pletka, what happens to artifacts once we excavate them? Welcome, Scott. Hey, good to be here. So TxDOT has excavated nearly 11,000 feet of dirt in the past year as part of our environmental work that happens before construction. Um, sometimes sites can have over 15,000 artifacts, and that's quite a lot to think about. Um, what happens to those artifacts once we've unearthed them? After we finish with the field component of a project, the artifacts will usually go back to a laboratory where they will undergo further processing. So that starts with cleaning artifacts and then sorting them into broad categories, usually by material types of so bone and stone and pottery will all get sorted out. And then after that, they're usually handed off to a specialist for a more detailed analysis. So why do they need to be cleaned and then studied? The artifacts, when they come out of the field, oftentimes they will be coated in sediments, and it can be hard to even know really what you're looking at. So in order to just get a good basic identification, oftentimes it's necessary to, to brush them off and to wash them just to know really what you're looking at. Um, and then if you want to do a more detailed analysis, it's oftentimes very, very um, important to have a, a clean artifact so that you can make those more detailed assessments. I should mention, though, that there are cases where you do not want to wash the artifacts before doing those more detailed, specialized analyses because there may be residues or materials adhering to the artifacts that's actually the object of study. So, for example... Um, potsherds can have residues left over from cooking stuck to them. And you really don't want to wash those off because you then run the real risk of erasing the residue that you would have been able to analyze and learn something about the types of things that people were cooking. What kinds of tests are we talking about in, in addition to, you know, the residue? Do you guys do carbon dating and um, age testing? The type of specialized analysis that happens after the initial sorting varies quite a bit by the type of material you're looking at. So, for example, the stone tools and stone artifacts will go to a specialist who's really good at the identification of such material, and they can look at it, and based on their experience, they'll tell you, oh, clearly they were making such and such kinds of tools here, and they date to this period based on what I know about the sequence of of tool types through time. Bone will go to a specialist in the identification analysis of bone, and they can tell you all sorts of interesting things, ranging from the specific species that are represented, what they were eating, which parts of the animals are represented, if they were processed, how they were processed, and that can lead you into even more interesting and detailed information, interpretations about how people are moving about the landscape, the seasons that the site was occupied, all sorts of uh, really interesting things. So the nature of the analysis is really dictated by the kinds of materials that you're looking at, and we bring in all sorts of specialists to look at all the different aspects of our material. So are the specialists coming into the same lab, or are you literally sending artifacts around the country to get tested and analyzed? It depends on the kind of specialist that you're talking about. So it's much more common to find people who have expertise in the study of stone tools, for example. 
Um, but for many other kinds of specialized analysis, such as radiocarbon dating or chemical analysis of residues, those do need to be uh, prepared and shipped off to a specialist who may uh, work outside of the state um, for their um, evaluation. So for 15,000 artifacts, let's say, for a site, how long does it take to clean them, sort them, send them out for testing, and get some sort of result back in order for a final report and story to be told about a site? It can vary quite a bit depending on what an anal uh, specific analysis that we're having done. Um, oftentimes the bottleneck is getting um, the specialist to look at them. They may have a bunch of other projects lined up ahead of the ones, the, the project that we want them to look at. Um, so I would say typically when we're doing an intensive excavation of a site, you know, what we call data recovery excavation, from start to finish, it can be a years-long process from field work through analysis and final reporting. So a whole year that these artifacts are in um, either a lab and someone under someone's microscope or other sort of um, review. But what happens after that, after all of the tests are done? Once the analysis is done, the report's written, the artifacts get prepared for curation. So in the state of Texas, when you excavate uh, archaeological sites on non-federal public lands in the state of Texas, um, you are required by state law to uh, prepare those materials for storage in a state-certified facility. And so we have those materials prepared according to the standards of a curation facility and then they are packed up and shipped off to the facility where it gets checked again to verify the inventory and then that facility curates them, that is, takes care of them in perpetuity. Is that the end of that for that artifact? Not necessarily. So one of the main points of making that material available at a curation facility is to make it available for other researchers. So it may very well be the case that that material from that site is of interest to other researchers who bring new questions or have new techniques that they want to try. And having that material available allows for those new interpretations to uh, be developed. What about museums? Do they ever request to use artifacts from these curation facilities? Yeah, occasionally a museum will have a display that they're developing and they will request certain artifacts from a curation facility and it's always possible for one of those state certified facilities to loan out temporarily their material to a museum for a display. So Scott, what is one of the coolest artifacts you've seen come from a TxDOT excavation? One of the coolest artifacts that I've seen came from a site that we excavated just in the past few years it's a uh, Caddo village site, uh, a site occupied um, in northeast Texas, uh, which we thought was originally occupied um, just before the time of European contact. And then we started to find artifacts that suggested that, in fact, the inhabitants of the site um, were in contact with Europeans, which would date it um, more recently than we originally suspected. This particular artifact was the remains of a jewelry box or brigier, which is a um, type of metal box in which you would burn oil. 
and uh, the box was decorated with a coat of arms, uh, a double eagle, which we think we may be able to link to a family back in Europe. What's really compelling about this particular artifact is that it has the potential to tell us all sorts of interesting stories about what was happening um, at the site and provide all these interesting linkages to um, events happening across the world. So I mentioned the coat of arms and how we may be able to tie it to a specific family living in Europe. The um, artifact also clearly um, provides evidence of contact with Europeans. We know that an early Spanish expedition came through that area where the site was about 1542 to 1543. So it clearly links the people, the cattle living at this site to potentially um, interacting with this group of European explorers coming through the area. And it may relate to peaceful interaction. Maybe it's a trade good. It may relate to not very peaceful interaction. It may be a trophy that a cattle warrior took back after some successful conflict. Not really quite sure yet, but it raises all sorts of interesting questions holds the potential to tell, to put this site in a bigger, you know, broader context of worldwide interaction and to tell us something about how the cattle responded to these very new and, and um, I'm sure, interesting circumstances they found themselves in. One thing I should mention, though, is that typically archaeologists don't just focus on single artifacts. I mean, as an archaeologist, like anybody else, I enjoy really well-made artifacts, really unique artifacts as much as anybody. But for archaeologists, it's not so much about the artifacts as about the stories that those artifacts can tell. And so I like to always um, let people know that we usually don't focus on single artifacts, and we really are much more interested, not really in artifacts per se, but what those artifacts tell us about what people were doing in the past, how they lived their lives. I'm going to ask one last question that we didn't really plan for, but you keep talking about artifacts in context. What can we tell our listeners about what to do when they find an artifact anywhere they're at? Let me um, make two points. First, um, in Texas, on non-federal public lands of the state of Texas, artifacts are protected under state law, and you should always leave them alone because it's a violation of state law to collect or otherwise disturb them. Um, Having said that, um, on private property, private property owners are free to do whatever they want with artifacts on their land that's considered their property. As an archaeologist, we're only really able to learn about what people were doing and to tell stories about the past if we find artifacts together in their original context. And by context, I'm referring to all sorts of things like where they were found, what was associated with them, what was not there, all the little clues left in the sediment and in the other material that may be um, near any particular artifact. Including how deep? Including how deep, you know, where other things are in relation to a specific artifact. And when we have those um, context clues, we can tell a much more complete picture about what happened at the site and how that artifact got there and what it might say about past human behavior. When we lack those context clues, it's very difficult to say anything other than, ooh, 
that's a pretty artifact. And that's a much less satisfying story. It's much more limited in terms of your ability to say something meaningful. So I would encourage people when they see an artifact to just leave it alone. And there's obviously places they can call to tell people about them, right? The Texas Historical Commission. The best place to go to get further information about archaeology and what to do if you find something is to contact the Texas Historical Commission. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Scott. My pleasure. Visit us at www.texat.gov and type in the keyword archaeology into the search box to learn more. Um, there you can actually watch a time-lapse video of artifacts from a thousand-year-old site we excavated getting cleaned in the lab and going into curation. So long for now. Mm -hmm.